and keep your loved ones safe. Need help and support? Please contact us at the hotline 311 Psychosocial Support at 722-6575 or 518-4157. Brought to you by PAHO, the OACS Commission, and UNICEF. Good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys are having a great morning. It is the middle of the work week. It's Wednesday, uh, June 24th. My name is Tresha Lionel, and of course, I'm so happy that you guys are here joining me today. Of course, listening on Hits FM 92.1 in the north and 91.1 in the south, and also on channel 124 right there on Flow. Also, we're being streamed live on Facebook and on Instagram as well. Um, once again, thank you everyone for watching on all the different platforms that we are delivering this uh, to you, this show onto you. For me, as I go in the show today, there is so much to keep, um, to keep up with, uh, with education, what's happening in the climate, what's happening with the weather, what's happening um, healthcare-wise, we know that. And um, later on in the show, we will have a discussion on the budget presentation uh, by the Prime Minister it lasted about four hours thereabout, and we're going to discuss one of the most pertinent points, those that, um, or particularly one that really struck out to a lot of people right now. But before we do that, in this segment, let's, um, let's try to update ourselves on what has been happening. We know that just yesterday, uh, we spoke about St. Jude's Hospital and the protest happening there. Uh, we did have some footage for you as it happened um, in Viewfort. But today, we hear now from the National Workers' Union and their representatives, the executive members, on what exactly is happening at this time. At the St. Jude's Hospital briefly downed their tools on Tuesday morning after an unexpected appearance by Human Resource Manager Andrew Pilty, who is currently supposed to be on administrative leave. Pilty has been at the center of much controversy at the facility after staff accused him of abrasive and aggressive behavior, including the repeated use of offensive language. The situation came to a boiling point in May when over 100 hospital staff signed a petition, making it clear that they could no longer work alongside Pilty. We received reports this morning that the human resource manager um, of the hospital reported for work this morning at about 8 o'clock. Um, and he proceeded to perform his functions as human resource director. Now, this clearly con goes contrary to the protocols that were established when the Minister of Labor, the Honorable Stevenson King, intervened um, at a meeting very early this month with the National Workers' Union, um, as well as representatives <coughs> of St. Jude Hospital. Um, it was agreed at that level that the gentleman would be placed on administrative leave pending the outcome of an investigation. Um, as I can report as of today, that investigation is actively ongoing, so it is highly improper for someone who is subject to that kind of investigation where several allegations um, have been made against him and lodged before the hospital as well as the Minister for Labor. It's highly improper for somebody like that to be um, reporting for work. Pilty's appearance on the premises today therefore came as a surprise to staff members who say they were not informed that he would be resuming his duties. That did not go down well with a majority of the employees of the hospital this morning. Sightings of him alone, you know, enraged um, persons down there and they requested a little audience with the NW so that you know the matter could be properly ventilated and at least from us we know exactly what course of action that we had, would had to initiate to correct that situation. The board of directors at the St. Jude's Hospital were also forced to intervene. We were informed that subsequent to the gentleman's arrival 
the board of directors also intervened to officially write him to indicate that he should not have re reported for work this morning and they basically indicated to him and through that letter was also copied to us that he should proceed or continue I should say um, his administrative leave and effectively remain away from the compound so we received that correspondence today and I can confirm that he has now um, removed himself from the, the working environment. And what about the inquiry into the allegations against Pilty? Haywood indicated that as far as the union is aware, an independent investigator agreed to by both hospital management and the union has been on the ground at St. Jude's assessing the situation. Upon completion of this activity, the investigator is expected to prepare a report which will then be submitted to both the union and the hospital's management. Subsequent to that, both parties are expected to come back to the table to agree on what action should be taken moving forward. At this point, we're not quite sure when exactly that report will be complete. We will, of course, seek to update you on this matter as it develops. For Choice News Now, Amani Mathra reporting. Now, having spoken to some of the staff, mem staff members there myself, they're saying that <laughs> it was completely disrespectful for him to come there and they liked in a way that people saw that there was an abuse of power just in the way that he's doing things and if you're on administrative leave what are you doing there and I think that not, didn't just catch a lot of people by surprise they were angry and they felt disrespected because now they have their negotiating agent coming to them and there are things now you have on paper it's documented that you're supposed to be on administrative leave and then you decide to walk in like there is no problem and I agree with the NWU representative there when he said it was highly improper um, for him to do that and not listen to anything but you know, as it goes along, we will continue to keep you abreast with that sort of information. And a shout out to for all the people working at St. Jude's. I know you guys really uh, look at the show. You guys really interested and locked in all the time on UTV. So we appreciate that there. Um, <clears throat> on another sphere, though, with education, it's something that we really have to... Uh, look into, and I think from the very beginning of this show, it's been a uh, priority for me uh, to know exactly what is going on. And now that we're going to have common entrance in a week, less than a week actually, it's dated now for June 29th, um, that's next week. And it should have been, if there were supposed to be no COVID, it would have been June 10th. Um, and now it's mostly multiple choice. And we know how the students are now being educated. Uh, some classes have been reduced to about 15 on 20 students instead of the 30. They're trying to do the um, distancing and adhering to other protocols. So it is very important for us to understand how our young people are going to fare in this very trying time with their education. We also know that the CXC starts from July 13th. Um, across the region. So again, we are concerned about what the results are going to be like, whether in fact too that, you know, people are going to put in the factors of psychology and whether people were affected mentally, that sort of thing. Will they be more lenient in their marking of the people, the greetings of the people? And we have the chief education officer giving us some insight on all these things, giving a statement and some encouragement to the students, which I think was, I think we all need to listen to at this time. Now we can hear from, her name is Dr. Fiona Philip Myers, that she is the CEO in the Ministry of Education. We are privileged to be able to offer our common entrance examination on June 29th. And we, along with the other regional partners, are having our CXC examinations commencing July 13th. We have been also allowed an extension in terms of SBA submissions. So the deadline is the 30th of June. And so we're very glad that our teachers have been able to support students in terms of completion of SBAs because that forms a significant part of their grades this academic year. And so it is still an opportunity for parents to support their children in the event there are any outstanding work to be completed and submitted before the deadline of June 30th. Getting ready for major exams, of course, um, there's some level of apprehension, both on the part of students and, and parents. Um, any words of reassurance, any tips? As a parent myself, I've got two daughters, they're 22 and 24 now, 
I know that there is a level of anxiety, as would have been around this time of the year. We should have had common entrance on June 10th. This year, it is happening on June 29th. We want to reassure our parents that everything is in place in terms of health and safety protocols, so they need not worry about that. And the fact that our schools have come off in terms of bringing back the students into the physical environment is testimony to that. Again, hats off to our schools, our administrators, our teachers. But more so to the point of the students, particularly our younger ones going into common entrance, we want to say to our parents, remain calm with them. Affirm them, reassure them, you know, speak to their ability, speak to their skill. We do not want common entrance to be a threat to them, but more an opportunity for them to really show their potential. And as we continue to say, find time as a family to do a relaxing activity prior to common entrance. If you're a spiritual family, you want to pray with your child. You want to give them little tips to go into the examination being reassured that this is one opportunity. There will be other opportunities for them to excel, but we want to let our parents know that we want the engagement to be positive, really positive for our young ones going into common entrance. And that is the main message. We know they've done their work. We know that they've had support from their teachers, from their parents, but we want them as they go into the examination rooms to feel calm, to do little breathing exercises, to again affirm them before they leave the, the house for that day. And we are there to offer support to our students as well. Can you uh, also provide some insight into the format the exams will take? Um, for a moment there, it almost appeared that the exam format would have um, all been computer-based, but then certain decisions have been made to continue. Well, with CXC, CXC has offered both a paper-based as well as an electronic examination. For many of our subjects, particularly our subjects where we have smaller offerings, that has been done for years using the electronic method. We have the paper-based examinations continuing for some of the larger subject areas. But we're working towards electronic um, assessments alongside CXC. For our common entrance, we remain with our multiple choice paper that we've explained to the public in terms of that being the same format no difference in the format. It is just an addition of more and varied subject areas that the teachers have been working with the students on. It has formed part of the grade five curriculum that the students have been exposed to and our term one of grade six. And for me personally, I would like to extend you know, good wishes and well wishes and good luck to all the people, to all the young students going to write um, those examinations. I know it's a, I cannot even imagine what they're going through right now because we have to understand that it's very different and we've all, even the adults and everybody else, we're still trying to grapple. We have the prime minister still trying to grapple with what to do um, with the country, what to do with the economy, what to do with everything else. Everybody's grappling and I'm sure that they too are still trying to understand what exactly is going on even the, in the midst of all that. And um, so again, good luck to all of you. Now, the other thing that really interests me is what's happening with our climate, our weather, the Saharan dust. And it, to me, is just another example, along with COVID, of how we can all feel so connected globally in these uh, very difficult times. With COVID, I never, I never felt such a, a connection with the rest of the world. I mean, France went through it, the huge countries, the metropolitan countries, cities, all of them, and including ourselves in the Caribbean. And with the Saharan dust, too, um, we're seeing that. And... Um, having the same and similar experiences. And with that, I, w I really was interested and intrigued um, with what and the experiences that many people had. Uh, we do have the former agriculture minister and the rep for Viewfort North, who also came on social media to discuss it. I know a lot of other people on social media put up their pictures, and I found one of the funniest jokes was that it looks like when you have when you take a picture with an Android phone. I, I'm, I'm an iPhone person, so I know that um, the Android inferiority um, 
Quorns, they, they too have a problem. My technician is angry. But, you know, the Saharan dust, I think, is an issue everybody has felt. I myself had uh, the tickled throat sort of thing going on. And I coughed on a bus. And if you, I tell you the looks, the man almost put me off the bus. It was a very difficult time. But at least we already have the masks for COVID and we can work out with that. But first, let's listen to Mr. Shabati. We are at Mulashik today and we are looking out toward the communities of Bellevue, Grace, Savans, Opicon. Today you can hardly see any of these communities in V4 North. We are covered by Saharan dust and Mr. Andre Jouai from the Met Office has indicated that this Saharan dust which has affected us over the last few days, will continue to affect us for another few days. The communities of Vefor North cannot be seen today. On a clear day, normally, you can come to Mulashik and you can see Bellevue, you can see communities in Monandru, you can see Savans, you would see Piero, parts of Opicon, and today, you can hardly see any communities. Mr. Andre Jouaye recommends that we avoid inhaling this dust unnecessarily. Also, people who have respiratory problems, people with asthma, people who have sinus problems with, with their sinuses, people who have difficulty breathing, you should stay away from this dust. Stay away from this exposure. Sanuka we abu is a se jupasia avec jodia. Se an chai la poussière couvert cette plissi. Mais l'enou dubout moulachik jodia. Nou passa we pièce commune kon nou te ka we avant. Commune vie for north. Kon nou passa we savan. Nou passa we opikon. Nou passa we piero. Nou passa we tetmon. An bambou. Avant nou te ka we sete commune an gwasse. Nous passons avec pièces de communes, avec pièces de communes, au lieu de pas bien voir. Ça, c'est Jean-Mette Office qui a dit, c'est M. André Joyer, il a dit que quand la poussière qui sortit d'Afrique, il a affecté les gens qui ont des problèmes de l'expiration. Expressement, grand monde qui m'a qui peut-être pas capable de bon l'expiration, je veux dire que Jean-Vier Fonnot, avec l'autre Jean-Setlissi, prend pour caution. Parce que quand tu la poussière, ça là, c'est un chai la poussière, avec si nous n'avons pas problème avec l'expiration, ça affecte nous. Mais c'est un Dieu joyeux aussi dit, qui nous pas ni pour brûler les ordi avec baïko ça, parce que peut-être la poussière, quand il fait plus problème pour nous. Comme ça, quand même pas la main vieille fond neuf, moi qui souhaite tout janvier fond neuf pour prendre précaution avec quand la poussière, ça là. Ou ça, nous pas qu'à bien, ouais. Prends précaution, grand monde, quand jeune monde, c'est une difficulté. Pas pour l'esprit, gros l'expiration quand il a poussé ça là, avec Wete Adida. I'm the member of parliament for, for VFO North, and I'm advising all, especially the residents of VFO North, to be careful with this Saharan dust coming out of Africa. It is going to be with us, according to Mr. Andre Jouaye, for the next few days. Be careful out there. And these are just some of the other images that have been on different social media platforms showing the hazy sort of um, images coming out there. And we're all experiencing it at this time. Um, I do know, and I've seen that on Facebook, a lot of different people their own experiences of the the Saharan dust. So again, I'm imploring everyone to just be wary, be careful out there. Um, I know the people with allergies and all that sort of thing, they too are having a difficult time with it. Uh, we'll take a break now, but when we come back, we do have some, we do have an, a video. It's gone viral of a popular talk show host who is saying that he is being victimized um, at one of... Uh, somebody's establishment when we come back we're going to discuss it um so stay with us we'll have more right after this
Identify with the most pulsating, the most riveting, the most eye-capturing UTV. To advertise with UTV, dial 484-7588 or 572-7588. For some of the most competitive rates, amazing programming, and bang for your buck. The most popular streaming channel, UTV124 on Facebook. Get it now! Check us out on Instagram at UTV124. Email us utvslu at gmail.com. UTV. It's not just for me. It's definitely TV for you. Thank you so much for staying with us on Hits FM 92.1 and, of course, 91.1 on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Flow Channel 124. Now, what I'm just hearing is that with Mr. Pilty, if we go back to the first story, that Mr. Pilty came to St. Jude's. He returned because that was the date when he was set to return and they should have extended if they wanted his administrative leave to continue. The board should have extended. So again, we're going to look into that to see exactly what happened and what caused him to return and um, whether it was his fault in in any case. And um, again, with the staff members there, they want to say a lot more, but they're not, they're afraid to because of fear for of victimization and victimization is something that a lot of people have been discussing and from the video that we're going to see next with a, talk, a popular talk show host Mr. Richard Frederick um, being at one at Total Construction Supplies owned by Timothy Mangal Mr. Frederick we know is a contractor and he is saying that he doesn't like the way he's been, been treated he had his um, they wouldn't accept his check and he got angry. Tell me about being upset by check. That's a, you know. But why the hell, you like to pay the movies, don't tell me you don't know how to pay them. You must remember that part tricep man. Don't try it. Don't tell me you don't get involved. You got involved well. But I call it Stila. You know what I mean? And let me tell you that, let me tell you something, Tim. I was so, let me tell you. That's what that's a business. I tell them if they want to check for the whole business, I write them check for the business and so let them walk out here. You think it's your kind of thing? You know, magic, magic man in business, a reputable man like me. I am financially sound, you're not taking my check. What can be the basis? What can be the basis? Battle Hotel me shout you, I am sick of it. I send I'm sick of it, I'm sick of it. I am sick of it. Last time a dollar saw a dollar a damn check. Oh, we not accepting the check every check. What the extra check can you do on earth? What am I gonna do? I'm a couple blows in your backside. Which is deserving of soup. Anyway. That's what I'm not happy. I am not happy. And you all owe me an apology. You I mean that's a, a business refusing. I'm doing. I'm a con, I'm a contractor. That's a, the refusal of a check in. The refusal of a check amounts to an embarrassment, which is what you have just done me. But you embarrass me, Papi Joe. You embarrass me. No, 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 it is an instrument for payment, but I can be held criminally liable if you don't get paid to Go have your hand with me. I'm the lawyer, I'm not you. And of course... I'm sure we'll hear more from Richard Frederick on what happened there. But just from that video, we could hear that clearly he's not happy. He said that um, his check is not being accepted. And he is calling for an apology from Timothy Mangal. And he's saying that he is being victimized because of his show and what he um, says about 
you know, Timothy Mangal, and he has mentioned and featured uh, Mangal in previous episodes of his show. We know it's, uh, can I help you? So we know that he clearly is not a happy person. He's not happy with what the prime minister is doing, and he has made no bones about that, and he has spoken about Mr. Mangal on several different occasions, uh, including this one, where he uh, mentions his name, he calls him out on so many different things, and we have a clip of that right now. What I want to find out, why is it that anyone who has a contract under the Constituency Development Fund is directed to buy materials, from Timothy Mangal or his company, what they call it, um, we'll see the name in a while. Why? And why then, even before the company entertains you, entertain the little man of the contract, they are asked to sign a contract between themselves and Total Construction. Yes, Total Construction. Why? Let me show you a copy of the, 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 the contract they asked to sign. Could you put up that for me, please? Yes, this is a contract. Uh, yeah, we blocked the name here. But essentially this says that I so-and-so agreed to pay to Total Construction Limited, blah, blah, blah. 7% as interest upon payment. Hear this well, you. Hear this well. I want you all to listen. Carries, I so and so agree to pay 7% interest upon payment. The contract is between Mangal Company and whoever gets the, 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 the contract. Okay. So they signed that. The Malawis go there, they signed that believing that they will pay 7% on either monies they take from Mangal in advance or 7% interest on the cost of materials or 7% on the combined thing, which is not, I have no difficulty with, although 7% in that short period, two or three weeks, when you check the annual rate of interest is extremely high, but that's not an issue. But you will not believe that that seven percent does not apply only to materials taken. It applies to the whole contractual sum. Yes, man. Ah, papa. So if you have a contract for 40000 and you only take $2,000 in material, you end up paying 7% of 40000 which is $2,800, plus the price of the material. Now, a man was given a job for $39,478. Could you show this to me, please? The bottom, just to show the total. $39,478. That was the contractual sum. Okay? It's right there. You all see it. Now, 10% of this goes in taxes, so we don't have a problem with that. But guess what? Treasury making all the money payable to Mangale. Mangal, Mangal. Mangal is the treasury's treasury. Good. So, <laughs> Lord. Woy, 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 woy. Anyhow, if you take out 10% from this 39,475, you know, 39 is 3,900, blah, blah, blah. You should end up with anything in the region of about just around 36,000, just a little less. Now, this person took $5,700 worth of material 
from total construction. Have a look at right. What's the amount on that, please? Five thousand seven hundred and three dollars worth of materials. Okay. You all heard that? Eh? Listen well. Eh? The contract was pretty close to forty thousand. Ten percent goes to government, so the balance should be thirty-six thousand. He takes five thousand seven hundred dollars worth of material from Mangal. If you add the seven percent on five thousand seven hundred. 5%, 7% is about $399. So he should have gotten about $30,000. Guess what? This is his check from Total Construction. The check, please. Good. This is the check from Total Construction. Twenty. He should get $30,000. Remember, if you take 7%, as your interest on the material. But he got $25,839.41. Yes, that's what he got. Out of the 39000 out of the 40000 10% 36, he took $5,700 material. He should have gotten about 30000 He got $25,839.41. Why? Because total construction did not take off the money for material alone. The money was on for material was taken off plus 7% of the total contractual sum. That's what's happening, folks. Some people are just sitting back and because their government is in power, they are making money. That is what is happening. That is exactly why he got that amount of money. You can put it down now. $25,839. That is what he got. Because, like I said, the 7% was not only added to the materials he took, but it was also added it was taken off the entire con contractual sum. So that company sits back. And if $10 million is allocated for the constituency development program, the company is guaranteed $700,000, which is 7% of the total for doing nothing. Now, the question for me is, with Richard Frederick, as we saw there, calling out uh, Timothy Mangal with the documents and everything else, if you're going to do that, should you now expect to be blacklisted in your own personal um, business? Should you have known? Should you have gone there in the first place? Or can you do your job and expect to be treated with you know, the same respect? Should you have gone there at all? Is it fair to be what it looks like to be victimized and to be blacklisted, um, to be to not accept his check for no other reason, uh, just that I don't like you or uh, that you call me out too much or you using my name in your show too much or you're embarrassing me, so I'll embarrass you, that sort of thing. And especially as we're in the middle of election campaigning, it we all knew it was going to get um, a lot dirtier. So now we're seeing this, and we also heard that this is not the first time this is happening to Frederick. And of course, I'm telling you, I'm sure he's going to speak about it uh, tomorrow. Um, and I also want to speak to him as well. But just, I think we should need to watch that again. Tell about the check, you know... But why the hell man? you like to pay the police? Don't tell me you don't know how to pay them. Timothy Mangal, if I try second, don't try it. No. Don't tell me you don't get involved. You got involved well. But by politics, you know. You know what I mean? Let me tell you that. Let me tell you something, Tim. I was so. Let me tell you. That's what that's. A business. I tell them if they want to check for the whole business, I write a check for the business. So don't let them walk out here. 
Vous devez vous calmer. Yo, magie, magie, malade, business, a reputable man like me. I am financially sound, you're not getting my check. What can be the basis? What can be the basis? Brother, don't tell me, shout I am sick of it. I say, John, I am sick of it. I'm sick of it. I am sick of it. Last time, a dollar, sir. A dollar, a damn check. Oh, we're not accepting the check every check. What the heck the check can be on the way? What am I going to know? I'm going to put blows in your backside. Which is deserving of soup. Anyway. That's why I'm not happy. I am not happy. And you all owe me an apology. You, I'm a, that's a, a business refusing. I'm doing, I'm a, con, I'm a contractor. That's all. The refusal of a check is, the refusal of a check amounts to an embarrassment. Which is what you have just done me. But you embarrass me, Papi Joe. You embarrass me. No, no, no. It is an instrument for payment. But I can be held criminally liable if you don't get paid, Jim. Don't argue that with me. I'm the lawyer, not you. With all that's happening around us, simple adjustments are necessary to keep us all safe. When calling 911, we may need a little more information to deploy the right personnel and protocols. You may be asked about your travel history, signs and symptoms, contact and movement history, and whether others in your household are exhibiting similar symptoms. Please, be patient and cooperative during this time to ensure you receive the best possible care while keeping our first responders safe. We are the Helen of the West. Place where people work and play with a special rhythm. But we are experiencing a public health crisis never seen before. And it has left many of us isolated, anxious and afraid. And even though we are missing our families, our teammates and our friends, keeping our distance ensures our safety. Wise protecting our loved ones. And by extension, our solution. Let us embrace the silver lining for what it is. A moment to reflect and chart a brighter tomorrow. We are 758, 759, and everything in between. And it is because of our resilience we shall persevere. We are all St. Lucian. We never give up. Let's do this together, apart. with us on Hit FM 92.1 um, and 91.1 as well on Facebook like being live streamed and of course on channel 124 there on Flow. Uh, yesterday we heard the budget presentation by our Prime Minister and it lasted about four hours but um, for the very beginning, it just seemed uh, a recounting of four years of the things that they've done or want to do or the proposals that they've, that they've had. And we'll get into that and really dissect it to, into more show. But for me, what really struck out a lot of people were the duty-free vehicles that was being proposed by the Prime Minister. Um, but first, let's, let's take a listen. Mr. Speaker, as a government, we also recognize the hard work of our essential service 
stuff during the height of our early mitigation efforts against the spread of COVID in St. Lucia. These workers faced immense challenges in carrying out their duties. And it was painful to note that essential service staff, nurses, police officers, firemen and firewomen, were profiled when taking public transportation and in many instances were turned away, turned away from buses in their uniforms. To that end, our government has taken the decision to provide duty-free concessions on vehicles for a stipulated period of time to essential service staff who have been employed for more than five years within the public service. The details of this measure will be finalized after further consultation with the relevant stakeholders. And with that, I think we should open the lines. 572-7588. Of course, we could talk about anything you want to discuss or anything that I've mentioned within the show. Uh, But when you hear that, that the essential service workers are going to get duty-free vehicles... Um, I don't know what many people think about it. I was just very surprised because this is the same prime minister who just said that we don't have enough money to pay the workers, that they would have to take um, 50% in bonds, uh, that we're cash-strapped right now, and to do that. So and I've also heard a lot of people being very suspicious of that, thinking that, you know, it's... You know, maybe it's a campaign promise veiled, thinly veiled, really, um, as, you know, some state budget thing. But it, people are also worried because the prime minister's word doesn't seem to amount to much. And that is just coming out of the agreement with uh, the National Trust and several other things that the prime minister has, has said that hasn't come into fruition. So some people, and rightfully so, are worried, and they are even taking that on. They don't think it's real. And more than anything, some people almost feel disrespected that their intelligence is being insulted um, by, you know, promising duty-free vehicles for essential workers at this time. At this time. Um, we do have a comment from the former independent senator, Mr. Everest Jamari, on that particular issue, which I think was uh, very interesting. COVID environment, where government's revenue is going to be under severe pressure uh, because of reduction in economic activity, it's rather strange that um, they are prepared to give away so much to public servants in terms of duty-free concessions. Um, But that's not even taking into account the fact that in, in an effort to, to keep the, the, the level of budget deficits under control, they may well have to um, consider retrenchment in the public service. Um, and this has been signaled by um, the economic minister when he made a reference to the fact that um, the level of productivity in the public service was less than desirable, which suggests that there are more people than they require. So while the government cannot provide security of tenure for jobs in the public service, which is, I would think, a major concern for public servants, they are there providing them with incentives or, I suppose, seducing them with promises of duty-free concessions. We seem to have a call. Good morning, caller. Hello. Good morning. Yeah. This is just uh, um, this is just a campaign promise by the prime minister. Why not give the citizens land cheaper? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Why not give the citizens what? Give the um, essential workers land cheaper. Right. Why don't you um, remove duties on building materials? We cannot sleep in a car at the end of the day. That's my <laughs> contribution. Yeah. Uh, so you don't believe it. Okay, we seem to have lost that call. But thank you for calling. Um, he's saying that it's just, you know, some election promise. And we've heard a few of them. We've heard a lot of empty promises. So um, whether this one is another one, with everything we know, with everything that we, we, we're experiencing here, the borders are open, there are no tourists coming, we, the money isn't really flowing, we're going to have to pay license fees to make charcoal and to do everything else to make 
put in and everything else and be a mechanic and be a barber and a photographer. And now we're going to give vehicles. I, I have to say, I'm, I'm, this is tiring, you know. It's almost exhausting to have to listen to, um, cause from the beginning on Monday, it was the prayer and the forgiveness. And now we're hearing another promise. So if you're feeling exhausted, by all of this and the prime minister's words at this time, I completely understand. I completely relate. Um, so, but stay strong. Let's not get exhausted right now. Uh, if we can go back to that interview with Everest Ramari, where he too is saying this is just a farce. With promises of duty-free concessions on vehicles, I do not think that public servants at this time are thinking about how they're going to get the next vehicle at a reduced price. I think their concern is more to do with whether they're going to have a job a year or two from now. And it, it shows a certain level of lack of respect for people and their needs. And almost like you, you are, I could win you over by just giving you, put, put, placing more money into your pockets um, in whatever way I think I can. Uh, and theirs is one of just a promise which, which may not even be, be able to be taken up because of the uncertainty that people are faced with. And I think it's disrespectful, it's shameful, um, and in many ways irresponsible, and very much characterizes the, the style of the government in the things that it's promised. Um, thinking that, you know, if you promise good things, people will, um, it will be, you'll endear people towards you, but sadly for the government, the, it's, conduct and the results of his activities says something different about them. That um, the government, and in particular the Prime Minister's words, has little value. So the the budget um, is it's outlandish. Um, it doesn't. It promises much, but is unable to deliver um, anything significant. And it is really sad that they have chosen this path of extending duty free. Even for, I mean, taxi drivers and minibus operators, these are people they wish to appease. They cannot do it any other way but to promise them that they can, buy, they can get a vehicle cheaper. Um, the, the very revenue that they need, businesses are going to have less demand and their businesses are on the brink, are going to fall apart. And of course, it becomes a vicious um, downwards um, cycle. Um, so, I, I think the budget should have been a little more responsible in this approach, um, and I didn't see it too much. And clearly, it's one to, to try and win voters, and it's been done. It's a very crude and outlandish way with a, a certain lack of fiscal responsibility. Um, and there's one thing I agree with, that it is very crude. It's crass almost, like, don't worry about that, look cars. Don't worry about that, like, look something. Um, I seem to have a call. Good morning, caller. Good morning, Trisha. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? Not too bad, thanks. Yeah. Um, Trisha, it seems that the Prime Minister believes that he can continue to fool, deceive, mamagai people whenever he speaks. Trisha... Let me read you something very quickly from the introductory remarks of the budget presented by the Prime Minister yesterday. Okay. To illustrate my point. Quote, So, Mr. Speaker, from the onset, on being elected to office in 2016, it was clear that the best policy response to the challenges facing the country was to take actions to cause the economy of St. Lucia to grow at a faster rate. This required a radical change and a review of delivery systems, institutional and governance frameworks, and a new approach to the economy. In other words, we had to build a new St. Lucia. All right. Trisha, first, the fact is, and this is not anything contrived. This is not anything made up. You know, a simple search on you know, Google will you know, give you that information. So, when the Prime Minister assumed office in 2016, his government inherited um, an economy that had grown by 
3.4%. The following year, the economy grew under the Prime Minister and his government. It grew marginally to 3.8%. The following year, however, that was in 2018, the growth fell to 2.7%. And the year after that, in 2019, it fell to 1.6%. So is that the same growth, is that, is that the same economy the Prime Minister is, you know, talking, is talking about? Trying to make us believe in those introductory remarks that he has been doing so great with the economy from 2016? This is crazy stuff. And then he ends that paragraph by saying, in other words, we had to build a new St. Lucia. Of course we can all see that. That he has, that he has been... That's why we're breaking everything, we're years, breaking everything down. a new St. Lucia. But it is not the type of St. Lucia that benefits the vast majority of us. We can see that. We can feel it. It is painful. People are suffering. The policies of this government, and that has been said over and over and over again, and we can see it. The facts are there. The evidence is there. The policies of this government are to benefit his friends, the, 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 the prime minister's friends or the government minister's friends, family and select foreigners that is the truth these are the facts this is what we have to contend with so on the eve of a general elections the prime minister introduces this decouché budget filled with promises that will deliver nothing at the end of the day to once again attempt to fool people but Thank sir you. don't you think don't you think that he's doing it because it's worked before and he thinks maybe it will work again yes you, you see, you see, Trisha, look, I mean, we know the story. Every one of us knows the story that when the prime minister campaigned prior to the 2016 general elections, he promised the moon, he promised the stars, he promised all kinds of things, and including we building it? a new St. Lucia that would benefit everybody. And, you know, what did we get? It's like, it's like you know, the song, you know, Ashanti, you know, sang, um, Yo Pomet Siwo Epi, Siwo Epi Let. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, that's it. You know, a set of you know, promises. I, I, I promise you this. I promise you, 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 you know, that. And what are we getting? Suffering, suffering, hardship, turmoil that is going to, that is not only affecting us, but will affect the generations of unborn solutions. Trisha, look, the fact is, and the truth is facing us. I, I mean, it's in our faces. The Prime Minister and his government, if we are to survive as a people, if we are to rescue St. Lucia, the Prime Minister and his entire government have to go. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you very much for calling, Colin. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, but I think in many ways, we understand and we've already characterized our Prime Minister. We know that. Give him this, though. He is staying true to form. This is not new, that he is promising us the, you know, the, the moon. And it is for us as a people to decide whether we're going to believe that. Uh, we have another caller. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, good morning, sir. Your name is not Trisha today. Today your name is Lucia, and my name is Alan. I have been in a relationship with you for the past four years. Lucia, you listening? I, I, I think I am. You asked me for a laptop. I told you I haven't got whilst I was in the disco spending thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You told me that you want a little path to your home paved. I did not do it for you in four years. However, I was flying all over the place. Mm -hmm. You are listening to me, Lucia? I am listening My name is to Alan. you. All right, Alan. <laughs> you told me you well, want that a role playing a... thing that's on our morning show there. Okay, continue. You told me you want a pair of, of shoes for $150. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't give it to you. I went out and I bought myself a pair of shoes for $750. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, Lucia, your eyes open and you begin to see. Another person who could take care of you, his name is Philip. The pair of shoes I couldn't give you for $150, I want to offer you a wardrobe of shoes right now. 
You understand? The <laughs> little see, pathway. You see the question you're leading up to ask me? Please do not. All right. The little pathway. <laughs> Lucia, listen to me, Lucia. Yeah, my name is Alan. Okay. The little pathway I couldn't organize for you to go to your home. All of a sudden, I want to put gold and diamond on a pave for you. Mm. I couldn't buy you a dress for $150, but all of a sudden, I want to bring you the best Victoria's Secret outfits. Mm -hmm. That's a bluff. That's, you know a, that's why? a great analogy, actually. That's a, that's a great metaphor. Because what's going on? Mm -hmm. Lucia, listen to me. Anytime a man realizes that a woman about to leave him, that is when you want to offer the woman the entire world. That is what is happening to this administration right now. Mm. So I use that metaphor so the message could be brought across. Very well. The it country is fed up of this administration. So right now they want to offer you the entire world. That cannot work. So Leave that man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for calling. You have no idea what you just did because when I come out of this show, I will be called Lucia for the rest of the week. I'm going to get so many kicks. And you know Christopher Cumming is the next show as well. But I understand completely what you mean, uh, caller. The, the analogy made sense um, that promises were made. But more than that, I really think too, it's about us as a people. Will we continue to fall for the bait? Will we continue to fall for the promises? And when you have a person who has seen that money can buy everything and promises and renderings and you can buy everything, then, you know, he will not change from what he already knows and he has seen that it has worked. Uh, we have another call. Good morning. Yes, morning. Hi. Morning, sir. Yes, Trisha, morning. Don't worry with the Prime Minister, Trisha. The Prime Minister is a con artist. He's a salesman. He brought the last elections in 2016. He's coming back again and... Lucia, Lucia, I'm sorry. Alan, we cannot buy that story anymore. You must go, Alan Chasney, and your cabinet of ministers, your collaborators, and your enablers. Goodbye, Alan. That is the end of you, Alan. You cannot call us again. So you, you are a con artist. Goodbye. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you so much for that contribution. But as I was saying, it's not really about the Prime Minister at this time. It's really about us. Because when you have a person who has seen that what he is doing has worked, he can buy people, he can go to the easiest Easiest way of success, uh, you know, go to Miku South and represent there or, you know, take over the leadership of the UWP. Then we've seen how it's progressed and we've seen um, that the promises, what promises have has enabled them to do. Um, and you cannot even fault him because it has worked. It has worked in the past and he's saying, you know, it'll probably work right now. So, again, it's about us. We have another call. Last call. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Hi. I'm Tresha. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have drawn to the conclusion, and I'll say it time and time again, and I'll repeat myself. You see, at this point in time, anything this Prime Minister says to me, says to the people of St. Lucia, even if he's speaking the truth, I will not believe him. And that's a sad state of affairs. Now, don't blame me. Uh -huh. Who to blame, blame the Prime Minister. Okay? Mm. Because he lied to the people of St. Lucia enough already. And he put himself in a position where he cannot be... He, he, you, you cannot listen to him. You cannot believe whatever he say. Okay? The Prime Minister will come and promise taxi drivers and minibus drivers for two years tax concession. What's new? I've heard that time and time again. I'm a minibus operator. Okay. And I've heard promises made so many times to us, the minibus sector, and nothing come to fruition. 
But how do you feel now? Because um, they're also promising you guys a lot of things, uh, the bus drivers as well. Yeah, but that's what I'm telling you. Some years ago, they promised us they, 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 they promised us $2.5 million or $2.1 million, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And they gave us half of it. Up to now, they have not given it to us. This time around, as a result of COVID-19, they promised that they will give it back. The last thing I, un I heard was that sometime this month, they would be giving it out. Right? Right. Now, when people hear $1.1 million, they believe it's so much money minibus drivers get in. But when you have there to are one thousand, mm -hmm. There are 1,300 minibus operators, registered minibus operators in this country. $1.1 million divided by, by 1,300, it comes to $846. The last time what happened is the... Um, out of the 846, 46 went to, to, to the National Council on Public Transportation. So each minibus operator took home $846. And what can that the do for you? What, did that, what, what can that do for a bus driver, for you in but, particular? But, but listen to what I'm, I'm telling you. Go I'm ahead. asking you. Mm -hmm. the, in fact, what I'm saying, the most basic thing a minibus driver can buy is a set of tires. One piece of tire a proper set of tires that can give you reasonable service. One tire costs about $450 thereabout, almost $500. So you're talking about 2000 and change. And you're going to offer me $800. What can I buy with that? Some, some of, in fact, most minibus drivers have families. They have, they have responsibilities. Yeah. You know? And you're going to look at me now, this time around, on the eve of a general election and offer me, offer me two years. You are you giving me two years for me to get um, a, a vehicle, a minibus, concession free, you know? How many of us can buy that there right now? So, sir, do you Since feel... Since March, we've been operating at seven. We started seven, then we went up to nine. Now we are at ten. We're not able to think... In the case of my association, and if I, I think most associations, that's how they operate. One day in, one day out. We divide ourselves into two groups, so we work one day in, one day out. What can that do for us? Which bank right now, or which credit union right now will give us loan? Even though you say tax-free, what? It's still around almost $100,000. So what the prime minister is talking about? You know, what the prime minister is talking about, and like I heard a, a previous scholar, you know, everything is get to, okay, so the, the vehicles that you're going to buy, who, who's going to benefit from it? Who's going to benefit from it? The, the, the vehicle dealers, friends, family, foreigners, they are the ones, when you really check that budget, anything somebody has to benefit from is either friends, family, foreigner it's an ordinary person it's not the ordinary folk it's not a minibus operator who's always operating at a loss you know because we have to take the ordinary folk into consideration in our operations you know yeah. so all what that the prime minister coming with there right now our i care by that and i don't think anybody accept can accept that thing with all these renderings and nice photos and all kind of nice videos and things, presentation and things. I hear by that. You know, you have to reel and come again. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you so much, caller. Thank you. And um, we were hearing there from a bus driver, one of the, that's one of the sectors, I think, that have been most affected, especially at this time. Um, and now that we've come to the end of our show, I just want to thank everybody for watching and also for calling in. I love hearing your experiences and um, I would love to hear it some more. So, you know, you could message me or call at 460-3054 um, and let me know exactly what's going on with you. If you want to have an interview, if you want to be featured on the show or anything like that, or if you don't want to at all and you just want to talk to me. Um, but in the end, I just want us to be very cognizant of what exactly is going on. And, you know, let's not be fooled um, by another set of promises. Um, 
And with that, I would like to say thank you guys for staying and listening to us on Hits FM 92.1 and 91.1. Also on Facebook and, of course, on Channel 124 and right there on Instagram. I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much again. Have a great afternoon. Thank you.